Thank you for listening to Tapping Into the Human, a podcast on addiction, recovery, and mental health, brought to you by The Albertus Project. By tapping into the human behind addiction and mental health, we can empower those suffering by creating a culture of empathy and support. Every week, you'll hear powerful stories from people about their journey with recovery and be inspired by individuals and organizations that are leading the charge in decreasing the stigma surrounding mental health and addiction. Hey guys, welcome back to today's episode of Tapping Into the Human. We are lucky enough to have on the podcast, Nick, who is the founder of Transitions Bali, which is a recovery center in Bali, Indonesia. Nick isn't only the founder of a treatment center, but he has been on his own recovery journey for about 16 years now. His vision is to empower clients to be responsible and accountable for their recovery and their lives by creating a safe and supportive environment. So Nick, thank you so much for being on here today. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. Thank, thank you. you. No, that, that's amazing. Um, so I've been doing uh, a lot of research about Transitions Valley, but for the audience who hasn't, can you give us an, a little bit of a snapshot of who you are and then what Transitions Bali is? Uh, okay, well, well, who I am, and, uh, and as you stated, I've been on my own uh, personal recovery journey and, uh, you know, had 25 years of, of active addiction and, and kind of everything that goes with that. And, uh, and for, for many years, you know, towards the sort of last 10 years of my addiction, engaging in services and, and going into rehabilitation centers and, and into detoxes and, and believing that drugs were just the problem and all I had to do was stop using. And, mm. and, and I found when I, when I stopped using the substances, you know, that's when my problem started. And I had no idea of how to live uh, a life of fulfillment without using in drinking drugs. So I had a lot of experience of engaging in statutory charity services in the UK, spending most of my adult life in and out of custody settings and kind of desperately wanting to stop but not having the, the ability to do that. And then finally surrendering and, 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 and in, you know, embarking on my own recovery journey, which it has been a journey. And, uh, and I have a 15 year career of working predominantly in UK prisons, uh, trying to show guys that there is another way to live. I was enmeshed in the criminal justice system for many years, not knowing that there was a a way out and there was another way to live. I had no experience of, uh, of working, of paying taxes, of having driving licenses and passports. And, and these right. were the life skills that, that I had no idea right. of how to do. And I worked in charities in London. And so uh, I came to Asia and, and worked uh, in the rehabilitation field in Thailand. And I kind of thought about my personal experience of what worked and what didn't work. So. Transitions, as the, the clues in the title, really, it, it's, it is that transition from active addiction in, into recovery. And that's not solely about what we know. Well, I know that addiction isn't about a particular substance or a particular mm -hmm. process. That is often the solution. Uh, not the problem. And when you when you when you take away that solution, be it process, behaviors, substances, you're kind of left with the problem. So transitions was created in order to 
provide a safe and structured environment in order to develop the life skills. And we learned that addiction predominantly affects all three parts of us as a human being, which is that mental, physical, and spiritual. So we've created something that really works on addressing the mental side of addiction and the destructive thinking and the distorted thinking, uh, the spiritual aspect, a lot of holistic work and trying to get, uh, you know, addiction is about escapism for me. It was all about getting away from right here, right now. I couldn't bear to be present in my moment. So it's about how do we get right here, right now, practicing mindfulness and being present and getting a relationship with ourselves predominantly before we can start having relationships with with others. And obviously there's a, an emphasis on physical recovery and nutrition and diet and, and eating well. So right, like a holistic, kind of unique, holistic yeah, it's a very holistic gestalt. It's the bigger picture. It's not just one part addiction affects many parts of us. And so transitions was created in order to just create that buffer from, okay, the substances are down, but how do I live life? How do I have fun? How do I It's sort of like learning new habits again. That That's sort of what I've been learning about. Like when I was, I'm a bunch, I'm, I'm a part of a bunch of different Facebook groups. And a lot of people are saying like, I'm just learning how to do very fundamental things. I'm 50 years old, but I'm having to relearn how to have fun without the use of substance, how to be present So what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and a lot of it was it was about learning new life skills. Uh, a lot of it for me was about unlearning patterns mm. of behavior. And I had an inability to respond to life, really. Right. Uh, and I think the word in itself, responsibility, I'd lost the ability to respond. I reacted. Mm-hmm to life all the time very most people in activity are very self-centered and very self-seeking and predominantly very selfish and uh i kind of reacted on that so i think and and transitions like you said is more about empowering clients to be responsible and accountable for their lives and their recovery however with the holding and the safety and the structure of a program that that we provide. And I think the driving force, what really underpins our DNA, if you like, is that that I'm really grateful that I, you know, I'm over 17 years in recovery, but I'm still really passionate Mm. about wanting to be part of people's journey. And we're not responsible, I don't like the word failure or success, but we're just walking part of the journey with someone. And and as we know in the present climate the last year or two yeah you know there's been a global trauma and i think addiction substance misuse you know suicide you know has has escalated beyond comparison during probably the most awful time in in our history at the moment so and you guys opened up in march right of 2021 2020 yeah we opened it was it was a risk i suppose in 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 some way and, and what i identified as, as bali in indonesia specifically it seemed to be what was missing because mm. you know, perhaps some of the guys listening to this i don't know my experience i would go into a primary facility and i needed to be detoxed and separated from the substance 28 days or whatever and then i'd just come out and and it was so extreme going from yeah. a very 
structured and monitored environment. I didn't have access to my phone. I didn't have access to any money. Right. Uh, it was normally tucked away, away from the city. And then suddenly I go from that back onto the streets of London. And it was such an extreme. I had no ability to manage that. Uh, and so it felt like that was the bit that was missing, the buffer in the middle uh, around that. And it, But I kind of thought that addiction seems to be escalating globally. People are turning to substances and right. process behaviours in order to manage uh, the trauma uh, of kind of what's been going on. So it was a bit of a risk. You know, we, we've had three clients have all successfully graduated and are doing really well. Indonesia's borders are closed again. So again, it's really difficult, but I've, you know, I, I believe in, in, you know, I have a lot of faith in my life today where I was predominantly driven by fear mm. before. And I kind of know that it's going to be okay for whatever happens, because I think if you do the right things for the right reasons, and, and when I say successful, this isn't about, this is just about wanting to help people, basically. Right. Which and, to uh, me is like the most rewarding, successful thing I think anyone can do in their life is, is sort of give back and find purpose in that. And that, and that sort of leads me to my next question. Obviously, I, I am new to understanding it, this whole addiction space. It wasn't until one of my best friends passed away where I really was like, what is this? So I am six, seven months into this journey. But over the course of that, I've learned that sometimes, you know, people have to hit their rock bottom. You can't, you know, force help upon someone who isn't ready. So I know you said you were in and out of, you know, jail and rehab and whatever it may have been. What was sort of your awakening moment where you really wanted to change course? What was it a specific moment in time? Was it a bunch of events that led up to a moment? What was that like for you? I think we use the term and, and obviously you've heard that we, we use the term rock bottom quite a lot. And I think it's a, it's a very individual process, I think. And, and my experience of of, of, of addiction being an, an internal condition. Uh, and I didn't realize that, that it was a kind of spiritual condition, really. So the last 10 years I would, of my using, I think I experienced a lot of external rock bombs. So, you know, the, the consequences of active addiction and the the broken relationships, that the arrests, the car crashes, the stuff like that. And, and for me, I almost got, I wouldn't say comfortable, but, but it became mm. quite familiar being in With that lifestyle. And uh, yeah. something for me, it wasn't my worst experience. I think April the 9th, 2004, something internally snapped for mm. me. There was just a, an overwhelming sense of, of surrender, that, that it was over. And it came in the form of a, a feeling. I think my spirit was just broken. It was, it was kind of, I heard the term before, having engaged in services for, for many years uh, about this is an inside job. And, and what I learned is that irrespective of what was going on outside, of myself. So I, I misused substances and I drank and used, you know, when I had my family and children and a good job and a house. I used drugs when I had nothing and I was homeless or I was in custody. So it didn't matter what happened out there. 
right. what I've learned. And therefore, in recovery, it can't be contingent on what happens outside. Mm. So my experience of, of it was just a moment, I think, of clarity where, where I finally saw the truth. And for me, it was about surrendering and my inability to ask for help. And as you stated before, you know, I've tried to help, you know, hundreds of people and, and there needs to be however small a desire to want to make those changes. And people extended and reached out to me and, and I had professional help for, from a young age. Uh, and it wasn't until I was completely ready to put my hands up and, and show, expose that vulnerability and ask right, for right. help and say, you know, can you help me? Uh, and I'm extremely grateful that that happened. And, and uh, so many, you know, people's rock bottoms, I suppose, is, is, is a very individual journey and it may be emotional, it might be financial. Uh, for me, there was something internally that after years, you know, addiction, you know, I've learned that, you know, on someone's journey, be it substances or behaviours, there's, there's kind of use and there's misuse and then there's abuse and mm. then you cross a line. Somewhere on my journey, I'd crossed the line. It stopped being fun. It started becoming very lonely, very desperate. <clears throat> the behaviours I was exhibiting in order to get my addictive needs met were causing a lot of damage to myself. Uh, when I first engaged in services, I had my wife and children and job. You know, when I finally surrendered, that had all gone. So that was my sort of rock bottom. It doesn't have to be that for everyone. Uh, and so for me, it was more of a spiritual collapse. I mean, I, I just kind of found myself uh, able to ask for help for the first time in my life. And I think a lot of stigma around addiction and, and people believing that, well, they choose to use drugs, therefore they have to, you know, experience the consequences right. of that and they're inherently bad people and we lock them up because they're a, a bane on society and they're the pariah of society and we just you know I've done a lot my personal experience of spending many years in prisons and then 10 years of my career work working in prisons is that the criminal justice system with addiction are just locking up the problem hmm. and then releasing the problem Right. Creating well, more victims right. and, and things changing. And this is a health problem, not a judicial problem. Right, it's not a judicial problem. No, right. 100%. Yeah, I believed inherently that I was a bad person. So I desperately tried to become a good person. Mm. And what I learned is that actually I'm, I'm a sick person trying to get well. Right. I'm not a bad person trying to be good. Right. But people's perception of addiction, because the behaviours often exhibited of, 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 of crime and destruction, and you know what I mean? So people's distorted perception of people that suffer with addiction are inherently bad people and that we should lock them away. And actually, we need to treat. Right. It's a, it's a health issue, not a, not a judicial issue. And, and Absolutely. Exactly what you're saying is what I found is so immense the stigma i think you know I, I hate to say it but i think the average person like me before all this didn't think twice about addiction and when they did had negative associations negative connotations had a lot of what you were saying and i think that stigma is just a lack of empathy a lack yeah. of education 
And it's interesting, you said a lot of your work was in prisons. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I was part of a charity that provided drug treatment in, in UK prisons and still do, and still do. It's a phenomenal um, charity that really helps, not so much, well, predominantly when, when the guys and girls are, are in custody, but more through the great, through, through the gate services. So they kind of do well in custody, and then they come out homelessness, no jobs. Right. There's, there's no gap. There's, there's like a gap, no yeah. right? There's no through the gate. And so what people, what I tended to do is kind of go back to what I know, really. So, I mean, I got to the stage of my life of, of finally surrendering and, and, and getting clean and being able to stay abstinent uh, for a period of time. I'd had no work history and I kind of got to a point where I thought, what would I love to do? And obviously my personal experience of being in and out of prisons from, from the age of 14 to 35 and, and being in addiction, it, it was a natural choice for me to want to go back. And, uh, you know, I re-educated myself. Uh, I went through college, I got my counselling diploma and started volunteering. That was a big thing for me, uh, kind of giving back. And I was going to a particular prison every week and uh, just found my real passion uh within that and and we provided a six-month treatment program and then it was the follow-through about when guys getting out helping them get back into employment helping them get back into housing and and getting some structure and purpose i think you touched on it i think the i don't know the for me the purpose of life is to have a life of purpose and go. something of meaning and and fulfillment and uh you know the last years of my there was there was i think the worst thing was was hopelessness and when you've been in and out of prison all your life and there's not even a tunnel let alone a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. uh I, I suppose the loneliness and that just drives for more uh, addiction so you know i've kind of worked my way up to treatment manager and service manager uh and, and managing a couple of prisons in london and and i love that work but again, policy, lack of funding, and, and a lot of the programs kind of got, got stopped because the government, Ministry of Justice and that wouldn't fund. Um, it became financial and it became very bureaucracy and paperwork and, uh, and stuff like that. And I think it lost some of its essence. And uh, my experience again, of working with the guys in prisons is, is no one actually sat down and listened to me because mm. I was always told to go away. And these guys that, that are in prisons, kind of people, the stigma or the powers that be believe that they haven't got a voice, they haven't got an opinion, uh, inherently bad people. And you said that complete lack of empathy to yeah. just sit down and hear someone was was really important to me to be honest with you so the, uh, i'm really passionate i still do voluntary work uh, they stopped at the moment in COVID, but uh Corabocum prison in bali is quite a notorious prison and the conditions are horrific and the the, the crystal meth that's being used and abused in the prison in bali really? so, so we go in wow. uh, every week and try and sit down and, and give some counseling and try and talk to the guys oh, that's that, amazing. Are, 
that are in prisons. But obviously, because of COVID, no one's going into the prisons. But <laughs> a lot of my personal life is going into prisons in the UK. Uh, I'm really passionate about that. That 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 for me was my personal journey, and uh, so yeah, hopefully we can get back in there. Yeah, no.